Hello and welcome to the F24 podcast. My name is David and every week I ask creatives of all sorts to come over to my studio in North Acton to talk about their experiences and interactions with London, culture and creativity. I'm hoping to loosen up on these introductions soon. I know I sound a little stiff but it's all new to me and I warm up but I can say confidently that it's going well. I've got a bag of amazing people coming to visit me over the next couple of months which is really exciting and I'm really glad that people are up for having this chat. I'm sorry about any sound issues on previous recordings. If I can I'll get back to them in time and see if I can make them better. But from now on, we're golden. I figured it out. For those that don't know me, I've been a graffiti writer since I was 15 years old. I come from Kilburn, Zone 2, North West London. At 23 years old, in February 2003, I opened Rare Kind, UK's first graffiti art gallery and record shop in Brighton. That's on the south coast. Culture and creativity made me. They helped my soul find a lane and work towards it. School wasn't the key for me. Art was, and it always will be. Having these conversations with people reinforces my thoughts about art and its importance in the world. I get money pays the bills, but art saves lives and rules everything around me. And so, moving on with the conversations, this week I've got Olivia Skalkos. Olivia is a true artist and for work is the production and project manager for the Monica Art Fair, which this week is having its first New York show, so if you're in the Big Apple, go and check it out. Talking the Big Apple, big up Mylon. Easy Mylon. I know you're doing the deal out there, son. Keep it up. Anyway, back to Olivia. I met her in 2009 at Chrome and Black, London's premier graffiti supply store. And I've loved her passion ever since. It was dope getting away with to have this chat. This is F24. Enjoy. I've never actually have even used a CV to get a job. Right. No one ever asks. They, if you're getting hired for your artwork, it's based off your portfolio or word of mouth. If you're getting hired for other skills, then, I mean, I've started very low and built that up slowly. And yeah. It just became reputation-based. Chapter 1. London via Athens. We start off in a little town outside Athens in Greece. And Olivia gives us a history on her family tells us about her school life in Greece and about a sweet 16th birthday present which was a trip to London which helped her make a firm decision about her future. So um, let's start at the beginning. At the beginning. Where are you from? Greece. Originally. What city are you from? I grew up in Athens but I'm from the Mani which is the southern Peloponnese. That's on my grandfather's side. On my grandmother's side I'm from Rhodes which is really close to Turkey. And my mother's side is she's a second generation American but it is we were Jews in sort of Eastern Europe, left before World War II, most of us. So we weren't completely engulfed in that, which is yeah. good. Got out after World War One, went to the States to make their fortunes. Uh-huh. Um, and then my Greek family actually joined that side in the States after World War II. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, I've got more war stories from my grandfather to do with World War II, who's Greek, rather than my Jewish side. They were already safe in the States. They got out. Yeah. Wow. Well, most uh, of them. Like was my- that... Because that, yeah, we couldn't After World War One, yeah. Yeah, but they were just like, yeah, we're, we're out. Yeah, I mean, Jews are travelers and they were done traveling around there, so they went to go travel in the New World. And uh, that's like three generations back in my, on my mom's side. Amazing. Um, my grandmother and my grandfather on my dad's side both moved to the States during or after World War Two. So my grandmother moved over when she was nine as a cleaner. Wow. My grandfather moved over and painted bridges in Washington, D.C. and in New York, painted the top of like skyscrapers. Yeah. He had like a painting company. Blimey. Uh, yeah, my great great grandfather, my mom's side, was a sculptor, but he worked in a scrapyard. So he would like put like make things because no one had money, right? So he'd make things, and that's that would be gifts to like any family members or anybody having a wedding. So he had he was he was he was the one, yeah, yeah, and passed it down to my grandmother on that side. I mean, it's on both sides. It's it's not just visual arts. It'll be acting and yep. singing, dancing. It's, it's always been through it. It's on both, yeah. And then so growing up in Athens, a real. Mm cultural family mm. arty family yeah and they were like i mean we're greek like we I, i've always respected my greek culture you're taught to do that but neither neither of my parents is religious uh-huh. 
um, for obvious reasons. My mom's Jewish. My dad's Greek Orthodox. I got married in a garden. Okay. Um, so <laughs> yeah. they told me I could believe in whatever I wanted and they'd support it. So when I was eight, I wanted to be a Buddhist. And they were like, cool, for like, you know, a week. Yeah. I thought that was cool. And then I think when I was about 11, I wanted to be Wiccan. And they yeah. were like, okay, interesting. Sure, read up yeah. on it. And Have I did look. that for like a week. And then just wasn't interested. Like, I'm interested in science. Yeah. So, yeah. Makes more sense. It make, I'm logic. Yeah. I like logic. I like reason. I like things that make sense. Like anytime I've done any therapy, I always follow sort of a cognitive approach because I need to know what's wrong to understand myself and how I'm feeling. It's, yeah. it's chemical. You know, yeah. it's not, you, we, we translate it as emotions, but it's chemical. It's, it's chemicals. Yeah. yeah. And balances yeah. are chemicals. And if you understand that and you feel like sort of secure in why your chemicals are doing that, it makes everything so much easier. It, yeah. That's a bit like um, mindfulness. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's like science, mindfulness. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in the power of, of people. Yeah. You know? yeah we're, we're very powerful. We just don't give ourselves enough credit. Yeah. We, well, we need to, because we start following, following lines that we, should, we don't need to be following. No, because things look really exciting things. on the outside. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, this is all nonsense. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. I know better than this. So um, school and, schooling and so on in Athens. And we went to an international friends. school. You went to international school. Yeah. Wow. So what was that like? Like people um, from literally everywhere then? People from everywhere. Uh, a lot of rich kids. Mm -hmm. Luckily, my mom was a teacher there when I was a kid, so we got really good rates going in, and then I had a really good education. Um, I'm really grateful for um, my education. Met people from all around the world. Yeah, I mean, it was always very normal for me. I mean, when I grew up in Greece in the 80s and 90s, it was very much 90% Greek Orthodox, white people. Uh -huh. Well, as white as Greeks are. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. basically North African. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't ask my grandfather. He's like, I'm Greek. And you're like, nah, yeah. Algerian. Well, well. Yeah. <laughs> your hair is pretty natural and your skin's pretty dark, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but okay, you're Greek. Yeah. Um, so at my school, at least, we had kids from everywhere. And mm -hmm. it was normal. I mean, we'd have ambassadors' kids. There was an army base close by, so we had all the American army brats. And you get used to the change as well. Like, I'd make friends, and in two years, they were gone because they're base kids. Right, so yeah. they were only allowed to be in places for three years at a time. And it allowed this sort of impermanence in my life, which I like. Did that, um, did that bring a lot of um, activity to the school? Was that in terms yeah, of Yeah, I mean, there's and, always stuff to do. Yeah, and um, did, like, people bringing things in from their places, like yeah. their cultures and their habits. Definitely. Or... I think it teaches you a lot of respect and to be very open to yeah. other people's different ways. And I'm, I'm, I'm like this, I think, also because of my parents, but it would also be from school. It's very formative. How long were you at the international school? 12 years. Well, oh, right. K so... through, well, not K. First, I went to a Greek uh, kindergarten and preschool. Uh -huh. That's where I learned Greek properly. So right. I was actually born in the States. I okay. lived was three. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember it. Like I said, yeah. I've got like a brain, like a pasta sieve in my early years. are really blurry. <laughs> of nothing. So born I'm in the States then. Born and in then the States. At three years old in Athens. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then 12 years at the international school. 12 years there. So that's a definite making, isn't it? That's yeah. a real experience it's and molding. And yeah, you can yeah. take a lot of good out of that. And... I did get a lot of good at it. I think in, uh, by the time you reach high school in that school system, there's a lot more Greek kids. I think it's sort of a balance of 50%. Greek and then 50% international like you had to have dual dual citizenship to go there uh -huh. so everybody was mixed anyway yeah no we did not experience racism Wicked. it's like I was aware of it but yeah. it was something that none of our none it of didn't kids, happen within those no. gates yeah. there was no, re no, no no ability to do so because everybody was bicultured yeah at least yeah. if not more um, everybody was multilingual, so there was just a lot of tolerance. I mean, there were still bullies, and they're still not nice people, of yeah, course, because yeah, I mean, it's that's, kids. Yeah. But it's nothing like what I know a lot of people experienced. Yeah. And <clears throat> I thought it was a pretty average school. Like, I thought it was pretty average schooling and a pretty average way of growing up. And it wasn't until I moved here, and I got to know a lot of people quite well, and you'd have those deep chats at some point. And I realized a lot of these, like, a lot of my close friends and ex-partners or, yeah. you know, people I've lived with have got really terrible experiences in school. 
Same generation, but really, really yeah. terrible. Yeah. The and UK it's system, I mean, well, oh. I can only talk for the UK system, but it's got a lot to answer for. Shocking, <laughs> yeah. It really does, it really yeah. does. So, you, how old are you when you leave that school then? Mm. I graduated when I was 17. 17, and then? Oh. Turned 18 over the summer, moved to England. I was just thinking literally, that it was literally yeah. that quick. Literally so you were, quick. Athens was cool, done, dusted. Goodbye. I'm yeah. about to go and see you a hell of a lot more. Yeah. I was, um, I fell in love with this university I ended up going to uh-huh. when I was 15. And when I was turning 16 that summer, my parents wanted to give me something nice for my sweet 16th. And they said, you know, what do you want? So I really wanted to go to St. Martin's and do some printmaking courses. So uh-huh. I did. I came to London when I was 16. And I did two weeks of screen printing and etching. And then I did a week of color theory. Wow. It was cool. Yeah. And I pretended I was 18 because that's the only way to do it with the paperwork. Yeah. But I mean, I'm still a small person. When I was 16, I was really small. small. <laughs> really, really a small person. Like I, I'm, I still don't really look my age. But at mm. that point, I must have looked about 12. And I'm staying in like university dorms. Like, yeah, wow. I'm 18. What? It was it's easier fine. to it's forge fine. stuff. I, you can't forge things anymore. No. It was so easy no, then. You just like not. forged it. So. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's I was just born a in fact. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nothing. Yeah, no one it's nothing. knows. It's fine. Wow, that was quite quick then. So yeah. you'd been there when you were 15, 16, mm-hmm. and seen this university Fell and thought, well, I'm definitely going back. Yep. And so as well as education, what were you getting into at the same time? So and what I'm trying to figure out is what you may have brought with you to the UK in terms of hmm. your interests. Like, apart from, not apart from, art was obviously a massive, yeah. a massive hold in you and still does but yeah. I had a massive, massive holding you what were you getting into music were you getting into any other type of cultures yes. yeah what music you... definitely I mean I was into metal when I was 12 I have an older sister so she was into metal she's okay. four years older than me so yeah. when she was 16 I was 12 got into you know Alice in Chains or Deftones or Sepultura Corn, things yeah. like this then by sort of 13 I got into sort of skate punk so it's like no effects rancid bad religion like really mm. just standard skate rock punk that was pretty popular at the end of the 90s early ozies um really was influenced a lot by rock music because my mom she yeah. also grew up in the 70s she's sort of like the last minute hippies um used to watch concerts sitting in trees we have the same taste in music now okay but when i was in my teens i went through a really annoying phase where i wouldn't like anything that was popular yeah you got it like really like i wouldn't yeah. even admit it like there was a song it's the song by liquido called narcotic it's a uh-huh. german band and it has this great intro and it would play on the radio station. I was with my mom in the car and I'd hear the intro starting and I'd refuse to pretend, I'd refuse to like it. <laughs> and it got really irritating because one radio station picked it up and they used it as a jingle. And I'd oh, get excited shit. when it would come on, but I would like, about- not allow myself to be excited about it. And I'd hear this jingle and then it would like, it would, you know, it's, it's just a buzzkill. Yeah. You'd sit in the car like, I hate it, I love it, I hate it. Just, <laughs> but deep down. Oh, would not admit that I liked popular music. I mean, I still don't listen to the radio much, but yeah. I think it's just more out of habit. Um, I'm much more open <laughs> to music yeah. now. I learned about electro when I moved here and things that weren't just a guitar, a bass, a drums, and a singer. So when you turned up here... Um, it was mainly the rock stuff and yeah it was it was punk rock i mean i grew up i grew up i stayed an ex-boyfriend of mine was living in a squat in athens and it was like one of our main squats there and for a while i only partook in sort of a diy scene so it was literally just buying vinyl records i would save all my lunch money my parents thought i was eating i was not just buying vinyl from a distro at a squat 
no one's heard of these bands. Me and five other people have heard of these fucking bands. I swear. I have tiny such a... pressings oh. and all of that, hundred runs or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, like ridiculously yeah. tiny runs yeah. and like, you know, hand scribbled cassette tapes. And when I moved to London, I actually had my Walkman because I couldn't bring, I was going to bring my record player and I decided oh, I'll leave it for later. I'll bring it eventually. It's never made it over here. Stay I've been here for nearly 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> But my Walkman came with me and I had a bucket of cassette tapes. Wicked. So that was in the original move over. And did you know anyone here? Uh, not really. No. So it was literally like, got into the uni, yeah. I'm going to go over yes. and just try this shit out. Yeah, I had a couple of friends that were in That's Imperial. hella brave, man. I was, I'm the, I'm the youngest. I think the younger sibling is always the one that's kind yeah. of like, I can do anything because yeah. they watch the older sister or do sibling stuff, fuck do up. Stuff, do yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, I just watched my sister like struggle against things that seem easier when you're younger because you're yeah. not going through the same stages. Like if your older sibling's going through puberty and they're facing certain tasks and it's like, it's scary for them. And then as a younger sibling, you look at them and they're struggling and you, you can't really get why they're struggling because you're not feeling the same rushing hormones. Yeah. When you finally reach that stage, you're like, oh, I can, I can do this. It's easy. That is, um, yeah, that's a that's a move and a half, man. Yeah. That's quite a jump. I didn't expect jump. to stay here very long. <clears throat> so, you start the uni course, mm -hmm. and you live on halls first of all. In your I first, did. First I lived term. in halls for about six months. Okay. And then my my then well, we had broken up for a while, but I had been dating this guy, the guy that was in the squats, and he was fine and sort of part of that culture. And we were together for quite a few years. And when I moved over here, we sort of left it open-ended. He ended up moving over and studying. So we ended up living together for a year and a half with loads of our friends. So I kind of just left my halls. Okay, Drifted right. out yeah. of them. Where um, were you living? Um, Elephant Castle. Elephant Castle. Yeah. Chose it because I liked the name. I knew right. nothing about life. <laughs> Never lived in South London since. But okay. first year here, I lived in Elephant Castle just near the shopping center yeah. on Walworth Road. <laughs> Tidy. <laughs> yeah. When there were still two gas stations on Walworth Road. And okay. I think the bingo center is still there. But it was when the old... Um, shopping center was still yeah yeah that roundabout man oh what well, doesn't Apex is this an urban legend or does Apex Twin actually have a recording studio there do I'm you not know sure I've heard something like that me too I've heard many but I've heard I think I heard Goldie had the recording studio there as well we could ask him yeah could yeah. could <laughs> so um what did you think of London then I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it's been different for me every year. Like every year living here feels very different. Mm -hmm. And definitely those first few years when I was here for university were just extremely different than my current understanding of London. I was, a, I was a tourist in this big city. I used to spend time just, I didn't really make friends yeah. to attach to things. So like extracurricular activities, never got involved. Yeah. Just didn't, I just found other things I wanted to do. And it was mostly just walking around a city, listening to music, looking at stuff, taking pictures of things, getting to know my environment. Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of that the first couple of years I was here. I built like a small friends group, but they come, they go, and especially a city like London. Yeah, in and out all the oh, time. And yeah. students as well. Oh, yeah. Well. And um, what type of art are you making? At the time, I was an illustrator. So I studied graphic design and illustration uh -huh. and was like pumping out artwork. Yeah. I did a lot of, uh, I did a lot of live briefs at school, like we were talking about earlier. I did some live briefs for Ballantines, Brahma Beer, something called the Wine Studio, a couple different things. For some reason, alcohol mm -hmm. became... The, the something route. I was yeah. doing yeah. yeah I think my style at the time worked but it was when everything was making the switch to digital so it was incredibly challenging and I only got hired because I was working by hand yeah but it was very very far and few in between and I'd be like oh yeah we're hiring you because we like actually seeing you know yeah marker strokes or paint strokes we yeah. don't want to see it all digital everything's so glossy now but most of the time I get hedged out by some you know somebody with a tablet yeah I mean it's it's always lovely when someone does hunt you out for that particular mm. reason, but God's sake, the gaps in between. That was shocking. Just like, yeah. Jesus. No, and, and then yeah, they'll the fight you on it. had changed, didn't it? Yeah, it, it changed while I was in school. It was yeah. really weird. It's like when I first started university, everything was being done by hand. And by the time I graduated, everything was digital. 
And that was cool with a Walkman. And I came out with a laptop and an iPod and a cell phone. And <laughs> it happened all at the same time. And I am not very good at getting on board with technology. Like, mm. it's taken me a while. Oh. And then um, you finish up with uni. And that was St. Martin's. That was. And... You would you you go you do well there you finish up well yeah I did I got a I was supposed to finish with a first but mm-hmm. my dissertation at the end of the year really let me down okay um, it's a shame because I was really obsessed with it I, I ended up studying the GRL the Graffiti Research Lab yeah and it was about it was before Street Art really was a thing yeah and it that was, was they were really new as well they were yeah and yeah. it was like NASA technology and yeah like amazing really proper engineers doing this and doing these really interesting public art projects that were non-damaging to surfaces so they weren't being arrested yeah and it was just it was fun it was playful yeah. it was a fun way of interacting with the city I was really into this project I thought I did loads of work my tutor that was working with me on it totally happy was just like yeah you're gonna be great my uh, guys grading it did not think so they thought it was too DIY and but that's the whole thing is that it is DIY. Yeah. So the and project that I presented was very DIY. Right, I see. And they were it just didn't it wasn't finished enough for them. Hmm. That's life. Okay. I still got a two one. That's yeah. fine. I don't use my degree ever. I was about I've, to say, has has that affected you never, in any way? No. No one has ever asked to see a degree. No. I've never actually have even used a CV to get a job. No. No one ever asks. They if you're getting hired for your artwork, it's based off your portfolio or word of mouth. If you're getting hired for other skills, then I mean, I started very low and built that up slowly. And yeah. it just became reputation-based. Do you think then, what, what did you, apart from getting the 2-1, what did you get from it? I, mm, I learned to, I mean, this is the thing. I did a lot of very high-level art courses when I was very young because my mom is an art teacher. I mean, she was teaching life drawing classes at a studio when I was growing up. I used to pose for her. Um, I went to life drawing classes in Athens at a technical school. That's for university level from when I was 14. Wow. I've been doing live briefs since I was 14. Yeah. I've been getting paid for artwork since I was 16. So university only gave me a bit of structure and sort of like a bit of home while I was in the it's UK. It's nearly like further, it's like really like further, further education. Yeah. And it, it just, was like I you were doing a master's much. nearly because you'd done so much eh. already. It's like that you probably didn't even need to do it. No, it felt very unnecessary. It did link me in with some big brands and like teach me how to work yeah. on that level. Yeah. And make me realize that it's actually things are very accessible here. But at the same time, I don't know, it's, um, it was very, I, I was very good at getting away with not being in school. Yeah. And I've done that. I've done this my whole life okay. where I try and figure out how to, le- how to not be present and how to go do my own thing, but still have everybody be okay with it. So I'll get good grades. Yeah. I used to do my homework on the way to school or in the class before the class it was due. Yeah. I'd always get really good grades. Um, you just, yeah. I, I would always work out my way to get out of yeah. things rather you than focus on things. You weren't going to let anyone things. down, no. but you wanted to have more of your... My own space and my yeah. own time. I mean, I worked my whole way through university. I had a full-time job, so wow. I was in school one or two days a week. Yeah. And if I didn't, if I couldn't be in school because of work, I would just find a reason and submit work early or submit extra work or do something else or do some other live brief. And I had so many clients at that time mm. that my portfolio was quite full. And so my teachers were very happy to let me get on with my own thing. Uh, I didn't really interact much with the other kids at my uni. I found them really... I don't know just it was just it just didn't feel I don't know it just wasn't really my thing yeah I suppose as well coming from the international school to go into St. Martin's which is it doesn't just cater for a certain type of people because it doesn't mm. but you know there, there's a lot of art unis and St. Martin's mm. is up with one of the top yeah. in the UK and so it is a kind of select few that can get in and so the types of people there would have been completely different really to what grown up with as people around you like you were saying it mm. was like when you were in school in Athens you thought that's what it was like yeah 
and then you turn up somewhere else. And you're oh like, yeah, no. Oh, I see. Everybody was very special and very important and very unique, and I'm sure myself included. And I probably had like a little bit of like hurt feelings because of that, because I was very used to being top artist in my school. Like that was always a thing. I was the first. Um, student from my teacher's art class to go to St. Martin's and it was kind of a big deal right, like oh right. you submitted your portfolio they accepted you that's cool you got into your first choice nice and it just kind of I didn't feel special anymore it didn't feel special anymore it just felt like work and at the time I was working as a freelance illustrator so it literally was just work it wasn't engaged chapter two culture Olivia is art she breathes it it's in her veins she's been surrounded by art and culture her whole life and after soaking up London life via uni She's now out in the city and taking full advantage in building her creative visions. We get into colour picking for graffiti writers at the shop, artists she's worked with, and the industry. I think a lot of people's experience with university is like the first time doing a new system. Whereas for me, I'd been doing the system for years. So it's just like a continuation of that without my mom holding my hand. It's quite, I don't think I've ever met anyone that had such a run up to mm. art uni. It's just art. Is, like, I mean, I know many people that have grown up with artists as parents or whatever but it sounds like you really just kept on jumping in as often as you could from a young age yeah. to just get more get more get more it was the only thing yeah i mean that was it i mean i in hindsight and like i said my parents never discouraged it if anything they tried to encourage more math and science i would have if i could choose now because i think kids should be given a gap between high school and university they should go out and work for a couple of years at some low-level jobs it's the same jobs that you do straight off the back of university mm-hmm. when you do art school at least it's not like you're qualified to do anything yep. else. So you're going to work in a coffee shop. You're going to work in a bar. You're going to work in... I worked in Camden Market all my way through uni. You're going to do these jobs. So you might as well do them at 18. Live a couple of years. Do some traveling. Do whatever it is. And then you go to university in your sort of early to mid-20s. When you I have, think, yeah, when you've got... And even then, you don't exactly you don't really know, know what you want to do. But but you've got a bit more knowledge. Mm. And what's appropriate as well. Yeah. Like, not that art school is not appropriate. I, you know, no, no. I advocate it, but at the same time, I don't. I wish I had gone and studied like biology. Right. Yeah. I'm really interested in zoology. I'm really yeah. interested in color theory and optics. I think eyes are amazing, and wish I had done more with that. And I still think every so often, oh, I could go back to school for a year and do like mm. a biology course. But like, who has nine grand? Who has nine grand? I'll tell you <laughs> what, though, what we have to do, and I know you blatantly take advantage of it, is your your brain and your eyes, and you mm. you will constantly look into and have. To, to even just drop those things at a drop of a hat, your interests like mm. that and such really good, that interesting interest, it's not as if yeah. you're going to miss out. You're going to no. find out as much as you want. It's but. it's all there. I mean, I'm still very obsessed with color theory. That was something that I was really obsessed with when I was working at the paint shop because mm. um, pe- color just fascinates me and people how people choose color and what, what color is to people in, in various different ways and how it affects your mood and how it affects your feelings. And when I studied psychology in, in school, in high school, I did color theory. Like color psychology, and so it's all sort of revolved around the same thing. That is, I want to. I'll, I'll get to the shop, but I have to say because I can't forget. You, I think you must have played quite a part in the scene in London when you were in the shop with the colors. Because I, I know many artists, myself included, would go in and say, "I'm going to paint a piece. I've got this color background. Mm. What shall I paint with?" It was a fun game. And you would literally, you'd, you'd select people's colours. colourways. Yeah, it and was And it was a fun game. loads of people were getting that service, <laughs> like, that extra service. It was really entertaining. And like, you know, you speak to hundreds of people a day and everybody's painting. And it was when it was still very exciting and it was still very illegal. Yeah. And it was still this very big transition into doing commercial stuff, which it is now. Now it's yeah, very yeah, commercial. Yeah. You know, now you go into a paint shop and you can buy, you know, 500 cans for some yeah, wall, you exactly. know. Then that was really rare yeah. to buy more than eight cans. Yeah, it was a really strange. Rare. Yeah, it was a stretch. 
So yeah, <coughs> to have the authority to choose colors on such a small budget is pretty. It's a big job. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Um, so back to around uni time, what were you experiencing in the city music-wise then? Lots of drum and bass. Yeah. I mean, this so is you like, started clubbing uh, a little bit. I was okay. never really that into it. I didn't really right. experience drugs until sort of my mid to late twenties. So uh-huh. my early twenties, it was more just like drifting in and out of things and experiencing stuff, but never dedicating myself. And were you going to like bars in London? Yeah, and, I worked yeah. at bars. Oh right, yeah, cool. I always worked. That was always the difference. Is that I never really had free time. Yeah, it was working. Constantly. It was working, and yeah. even I still, mean, what's the thing? Especially not coming from this country, your family aren't here. Nope. Yeah, I mean, you got no work. siblings here. You just got well. I better go and get that. Job yeah, then. Yeah. yeah, constantly getting the job. And also, I didn't like having the free time. Like, I still prefer when I'm being social, actually working. So my work life is very social. And when mm-hmm. I am social, I am working. And when I'm working, I'm social. And I think that's... I have a hard time socializing without having an activity to do or have, having, like, something to boss around or something to take charge of. And so... I think I'm quite similar. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's hard. I, have, I get awkward. Like, I was, at a, yeah. I was at a party last week, and I don't really go to parties anymore because I'm fucking tired. And yeah. I'm, working through the weekend and I'm doing like 14 hour days on my laptop till my yeah. eyeballs bleed. <laughs> like I got out for like three hours and I was like, cool, I'll go to my friend's like bonfire thing. And it was nice. It was like 15 people. Everybody's hanging out. There's a bonfire. Everybody's chatting. And I looked up and all of a sudden like a hundred people turned up and I just got panicked. I was yeah. like, I can't do this. I, I, and I got really awkward and me. just walked out. <laughs> I was like, bye. <laughs> Nothing for me to do here. Can't do this anymore. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, no, 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 not the right time. Wicked. So after you finish uni, um, you go full into obviously you've got to work because you've got to pay the bills but mm. you're, you're pushing the illustration i was yeah yeah i was pushing the illustration i was getting really good i had a lot of clients um my style wasn't very anything very exciting but it was what was very popular at the time it was lots of really beautiful women tattoos mm-hmm. animals and this was all sort of at the beginning of that it was off the back of i guess like pop surrealism before okay. sort of new and urban contemporary had sort of taken off so it was all these really you know, underbelly images and things that were like a little bit different or seedy or too sexy or too grotesque to be part of mainstream, mainstream illustration. But I had, that's probably why I had loads of alcohol brands and I had skate brands. I was designing skateboards for a while. Um, I've got a few out there somewhere in the world, which is nice. I've got a few at home. I did that for a couple of years. I worked for Vans and I was doing customized shoes for them for a long time. It was fun. I mean, it was easy. It was, it was easy. It was hard. It was a balance because I had a lot of jobs at once. Yeah. So you were you were working to pay bills and then also obviously mm. working in your chosen world as well. Yeah, yeah, creative. no, it was good. I, I worked as a freelance illustrator for a while. Um, I ended up actually sadly having a really bad accident after university ended. Mm. Uh, so I had to move back to Greece for eight months and it disrupted my entire path. Wow. And when I came back, I, I decided to move back to Greece full time. I was like, I'm going to move back there and I'm going to be part of what saves Greece, that whole generation of kids that are actually doing something. And I've got friends actively doing that still in Greece and it has made a difference. Yeah. And I wanted to go back and be part of that. And I go back to Greece and after four months of healing, I realized, what the fuck am I doing in Greece? I am not equipped to do this as an adult. It's incredibly hard as a woman. It's incredibly hard if you're used to having easier systems. And I'm used to running my own ship yeah. here. And you get on the phone to try to do anything in Greece, especially as a young woman. And people don't take you seriously. They want to speak to your dad. Yeah. And at like 25 years old, someone wanted to talk to my dad to like sign off paperwork. And I suppose as well, because you're the kind of coming by. Exactly. Surviving by yourself, working by yourself, educating yourself by yourself. You know, all of that couldn't. It does not for me. So I spent four months getting all my shit out there and spent the next four months getting my shit back to London. Um, Sorry. (laughs) When I I own a house, right? Which is what I've been saying for the last 20 years, uh, eventually. I'll have all my shit in one place. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the shop, that's where I met you, Chrome and Black. So 
Yeah, so we, that shop opened. I opened up my gallery of them. Because yeah, I moved so back to London. I was only there for maybe eight months. It was when the music studios had just moved in. 2009, early 2010. Yeah, I started there, I think, just after Christmas. I'm, I think it was... Um, six months eight months in and I was just like actually I'm not a gallerist <laughs> I was completely different yeah. and so yeah so I moved out and then yeah music studios opened I think no. I worked in the skate shop around the corner LCB which That's is right. now Pret yeah and I wish right. I was there for years I was there before I moved back to yeah after my little healing process and I even stayed on there for another six months after I started coming black so mm -hmm. there was a time when I worked seven days a week for the it, first six months I was like coming black between them yeah, I was working Monday through Saturday at Crime and Black, and Sunday I was working. Everything was within a triangle, yeah. like like walking distance, two minutes. And was that was Crime and Black your first intro? Yeah, yeah. I mean, completely. well, not seeing it because I know you've seen it, but working with it people, and meeting, especially yeah. in the UK, writers, yeah. uh, they still are. It's funny because yeah. we'll see each other. A lot of them are in graphic design now, and a lot of them are in typography and like doing very similar things to what the guys here are doing. Yeah. Um, and it's the same systems in Greece. So I grew up with train writers in Greece. My first boyfriend was a writer. Cool. Um, it's it was that whole scene. It was writing, skateboarding, so rock and roll, and hip hop. All very familiar. Yeah, it's very very familiar. It was yeah, home yeah, turf, yeah. except I knew nothing about the London scene. I didn't know the terminology either. Yeah. So like the first day I was working there, and I thought I was really ready. And some guy walks up and asks for two chrome burners, and I just froze. I was like, "What? <laughs> what are those? I have no idea what you're talking about." And within a week, okay, I had some yeah, of the language you had it down. down. I had good training. I mean, Yanni and Darren were very good teachers, so yeah. I learned a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, as I say, man, the the, the, the colour picking was... Oh, it was fun. I remember people taking advantage of it. It was a thing spoken about outside <laughs> the shop. That's just, so funny. Yeah, people really appreciated it and were just like, yeah, I'm going to get Olivia to pick my colours. Mm. Wicked. See, I never knew much about, like, opinions of me outside the shop because mm. that was never... I, well, no, I hung you, out with these guys. Yeah, and you were in the shop. Yeah, but yeah. I was always in the shop. I yeah. was there, like, religiously, like, lighting the night candle, right? I was yeah. there to open, I was there to close. So yeah. we would hang out. Like, I would hang out within the scene, which I think makes a big difference. No. It helps. Um, and yeah, it was always like a mutual respect thing, I think, because I was always interested in what people were doing because it was fascinating. Yeah. Did, you, was... did you start using paint? Then? I did, yeah, for yeah. a while there. Um, I did a couple little things. Yeah. I thought about it. Um, it never really progressed for me, sadly. I wanted more space. Mm -hmm. I always thought I was going to end up in a studio and mm -hmm. be able to like make giant paintings. And But my life took a, a different yeah. direction. I mean, I still got a shit ton of spray paint in my house. That's yeah. never... I think that's constant now forever. Like I'm looking at your racks here and it, yeah. it feels like home, you know, that's, yeah. they, they kind of come around with me everywhere and I'm doing paint orders currently for Monica's mural program in New York and I'm looking at the paint codes and I'm working with this guy in the States who knows nothing. He's like, oh, oh did you get the paint lists? And I was like, um, I'm asking if he's got the paint lists. He's like, yeah. yeah, but I don't really understand them. He sends them through to me and I'm like, oh, okay, blah, 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 blah. just, you know, it's, yeah, it just, feel, yeah. it's a second language. Yeah. It's a third language. Wicked. Yeah. It's properly stuck with you. It really has. Like, I mean, across the brands, all the different codes, I, for a while there, I knew them by heart. So Man. if you call out like a certain code, I'd be like, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. plum. I think Belton. I remember you saying, no, no, we're at that number. Like, Pigeon no, blue. You haven't yeah. even moved. You haven't even walked. You just know. <laughs> yeah, no, I had it all down. There was, that was all my brain did for four yeah. years was color codes. You had that locked, man. That was an amazing asset to Chrome and Black. Amazing asset. It was fun. And um, so staying with the creative world, you moved on and carried on illustrating and carried on doing bits and pieces. I haven't done any freelance illustration in years that mm -hmm. I've been paid for. I just, I took a switch and started doing it for myself. Yeah. So after I left the shop, I started running people's shows because like you say, with picking out paint, it started turning into quite a few of the artists starting to get commissions. Yeah. And it was like commissions were new for writers and they all of a sudden they'd have a budget yeah. and they'd have to choose 50 tins for a wall this big and they had to figure out their paint order. And then how do I get my paint to this place? And I don't know how to get the paint delivered. I don't want to carry it all in bags. So started working out how to order their paint in advance, get them a good cost, ship it to wherever it needed to be, yeah. work out how much paint they needed per wall, 
um, and even help them with that. You know, yeah, I'd help yeah, them yeah. choose the colors to go through it. Here's and it turned planning. into, yeah, 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 and it turned into something I, I really appreciated doing and really enjoyed doing. So off the back of leaving the shop, I had loads of people get in touch to help them with their walls and their projects. And this just kept blowing up. Yeah. Uh, so I turned out to manage walls. So I'd show up and I'd, you know, hire the cherry picker and like run the health and safety yeah. and make sure the paint was arriving. Client the system. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I call it professional handholding. Yeah. I mean, I still, my job is still professional handholding for creatives. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like you need someone that can go back and forth. Yeah. I think it's really important. You need someone who understands left brain thinking and right brain thinking. And yeah. I have both. Um, and I think that's from a need to work and like a knowledge that art can sustain me. But at the same time, I want to be smart about yeah, it. Yeah, and this you know, is the lane I can run within it. Yeah, I can yeah. I can do a lot of things, and I think I'm more helpful in yeah. this environment. You may that I not care be about. putting a brush to a canvas every day, mm. but the point is, you're in the creative world and yeah. playing an, an integral role. I think facilitating is really, really important. Yeah. It's I think, really important, and as we were saying earlier, it's really underlooked. It right? really is. I think people don't realize the amount of projects that could be better or could have been worse without the right people yeah. in place. And there's so many great ideas. And I just kept meeting artists who had these great ideas, but zero understanding of how to produce anything. Mm. And so it became very natural. Naturally, I started helping people produce their interesting ideas because I got it. They'd be yeah. like, oh, I want to do this thing, but either A, I don't have a budget, B, I don't have a space, C, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and I always ran my own shows. I mean, I, this is from when I was younger. My mom ran her own shows. I mean, you learn how to do that. And I got taught how to do that at university. Um, it's easy. Hang up artwork, maybe sell it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, maybe right have a drink. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. have a drink. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and it just turned into me doing that for other people That's and good. being successful with it. And I was happy and I was happy that people were happy. And where's that led to? It's led to being the production manager for the UK and potentially, I think Europe's largest, uh, urban contemporary art fair. Yeah. And we're very immersive. Uh, it's Monica art fair. It's installation based. Um, we try to stay away from as much white wall gallery, art fair, shopping market kind of buying as possible and do a lot of really interesting activities on site. So we have all sorts of print releases with like unique artists. So we'll do a bunch of different installations. Um, you're like the, um, you, you, you shake, you shake that whole world up, that transition period for an artist. Uh, to come from where they've come from either the streets or the studio mm. to then getting into galleries or going to shows the part you play in the middle is such I think a real real good crossover because mm. it tells a story a lot better than an artist even standing in a gallery into work like yeah it doesn't you, doesn't translate anymore no it doesn't and, well and if it does you've got it's it, You've got to be able to talk really yeah. well. I then, think, and most of them can't. Yeah, no, they can't. <laughs> most great artists yeah. are not able to vocalize why yeah. they do, what they do, and how they do. I think the first Monica Art Fair I went to, Ben Ein had built a mini street in it. Oh yeah, that was the Renaissance is now. And I was just like, Monica ain't playing, man. These lot, of, I've never seen anything like it. And year in year out, it's always been mind blowing and like, oh my god, look what they've done now. Look what they've done now. You got to see what we're doing in New York. Uh, right I told you we're shipping ridiculously large containers over with yeah. our two. We've built two big installations here in the UK mm-hmm. that were taken to New York. I've got two days to set them up, so I'm bringing over my fabricator and my one of my main carpenters. And we're building on site. And um, oh, one of them, I can't give anything away. When is this going to be aired, actually? Yeah. Uh, when this, does this go? Uh, maybe two weeks. Nope, can't say anything. Good. You can you can all pay attention in the beginning of May to yeah. what's going on. Because it's, it's interesting. It's uh, it's with INSA. Uh-huh. So anybody who knows INSA's work, he does come from a graph background. Yeah. He's been very, very successful in all sorts of avenues. Many. And I've been excited about working with him for a long time because I've known him for a long time. Like yeah. I've known him since Crime and Black. Yeah. I used to, he brought me a pair of leggings when I was sorting paint outers for him as a thank you and now i get to work with him on yeah. like a, and actually help him realize a project Such he's been wanting cool to do guy, for ages man. great guy brilliant vision yeah 
And it's fun. Work ethic. Amazing. Oh, his work ethic solid. We went to go and test his installation because it's an installation you have to test. Brilliant. Put it that way. It's yeah. extravagant. We went to go and test it before they boxed it up to ship it off. And it was the first time the thing had run properly. Mm-hmm. And we were on site somewhere outside of like main London mm-hmm. at up until 1030 at night. And he's, you know, got a job the next day with some big client and he's got three kids and he's, you know, got stuff to do. But there he is in some shed with me testing his installation at 1030 in the evening because he's dedicated. He doesn't yeah. send someone to do it for him. Yeah, his work ethic is definitely something to look yeah. at and be inspired by, man. Well, I think that's why the writers never had a problem with him. I mean, yeah. I think that's part of that. Well, I mean, he. the other thing is, is he earned his stripes. He like did. A, like a don. He also done time in Brixton Prison. He oh, done six go. months. Well, that'll do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> that, the that'll judge get you sent him down. They, him and Noan went to prison. Mm. And uh, it got kicked out. They, they got released. They appealed. But he, he still did six months. It was just so unnecessary. Yeah. Like, he's not the guy. Like, he's not the guy. But he, he, the he, he did earn his stripes. He'd done a lot of amazing paintings as a graffiti writer. And mm. now as, as an artist, his paintings are just next level. I mean, so unique. And he does really interesting projects. And that's what's always. fun about him is that he yeah. wants to always push the envelope. Yeah. So we're really stuck on with monikers getting artists that are either really deep in their careers already and like looking for new things to do and new ways to do it. And we want to facilitate that. We mm. want, we want it always to be engaging. Mm. I think that was the problem is that recognizing this younger generation gets bored really quickly and not just them. I get mm. bored quickly. Mm. I know how to go to a gallery and look mm. at paintings, but I have a hard time focusing now. Mm. We're so used to things being immediate. We're so used to things being engaging and mm. different that it's hard to slow down. So at least with this art fair, we want to be able to give people an environment where they can appreciate a high caliber, a high caliber of art, but also be stimulated and engaged by yeah. multisensory experiences, things that you can do with the arts. Yeah, and, well, that's what I'm saying about that because the transition, the difference of you know having a show, or not even a show, but going to an art fair and looking at all the stands with the white walls and their twelve mm. paintings, or going to a gallery and seeing the same. What Monica does is brings so much interest so yeah. so much more because you go to see the artist you want to see the names the whole experience everything that comes with it is oh no it's amazing yeah. i mean i remember i used to go to really old editions of monica when i was working at crumb and black mm. and the guys would come by with invites and we'd go and we'd experience something completely different and see our friends our artist friends exhibiting yeah. work on a major stage and it was new it was a new thing to have writers and street artists like be allowed to be involved in like a higher amazing voice you know an elevated platform and now that's something that we take as sort of standard it's Mm. it's very common like i was talking to somebody recently about how mural programs run and they just thought it was a thing that always was i was like do you know how hard it has been (laughs) to get permission to paint the sides of very large buildings it's even still a massive struggle because i mean especially how the monopoly runs in the uk but globally yeah that was not easy i mean i remember working with best ever years ago when they started doing their projects in where were they in central africa do you remember that cape town no they were also in central africa somewhere I can't remember the name. I remember the Cape Town paintings. So I don't remember the... I remember having to send, to ship paint to the middle of nowhere. This yeah. is why. And we'd shipped it via South Africa. Like we had to ship to South Africa yeah. and then they had to go on road from South Africa to, I think, was it Rwanda? Maybe. Uganda? Uganda? I can't remember. Yeah. That was, that's something to look into. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a very early mural program. You know, it didn't exist in big European cities. No. Bristol, maybe. That's yeah. it. Like, but also in a completely different way. Mm. What, what you were organising there was completely different. To the Bristol scene, the Brighton scene, always quite natural and yeah. haphazard, nearly. Mm. What you're doing is planning. That was planning. Haphazard yeah. is, you know, a way we can go, oh, wow, look at that. Hey, look, I just put a little thing up there. The planning yeah. part, planning stages and getting things in order. Yeah, it's hard. 
it's hard. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of silly things to juggle. And I think people always think that things are quite easy because you can make it look very easy. But the amount of contracts and certificates and things I have signed, I understand most of them, to be fair. But like my name is on so many documents. <laughs> and I have, I've gotten to the point where I've understood how to work with the council, which is really, it's very helpful. I was yeah. very scared of it for a long time. Um, and it's not hard. These are just people, like everybody else. You just have to be human with them. And they want to help you because they're tired of saying no. Yeah. But considering you didn't... That sounded really familiar to me, what you just said then. Mm. So considering you didn't study, you know, customer care or retail or, you know, production of sorts. Yep. You were just... You studied art. Mm. That's what you, you studied and then your interests led you into other things. The fact that you now have this role of organising and vision and production... Do you think the confidence comes from the creative world? It does. Because it... not being trained to talk to the council, not being trained to persuade a CEO, not being trained to, you know, get a gallerist to really sort his shit out so we can get this, this stuff going. Get your shit out, yeah. 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 But, and just all you've studied and being taught is how to... I think that's paint. the confidence for sure. Like, I am confident you've managed that to I cross understand... Over. Yeah, yeah, well, I understand tools. Yeah. I mean, Graham with my dad, he knocks on all the walls of mm-hmm. every building and explains why they sound differently. I mean, I understand structure because of him. I understand how to paint a wall properly because of him. I understand how to build stuff. And I understand why architecture works in a certain way because of him. I mean, I'm like a pseudo-architect right now, building stuff on SketchUp and making really interesting gallery Amazing. plans that end up being real. So I build all of our stands in advance. I do these floor plans. I've never studied architecture, but I get this from my dad. Yeah. I understand paint and tools and you know, mixing mediums and stuff from working with fine art and then spray paint, obviously from being in the shop for so long and having to digest product codes so that I could ship paint internationally. And then I suppose the final part of it is your work ethic. The Mm. fact that you turn up and you're like, yeah, I've got to work. Yeah. When you were 17, you turned up here and the amount of jobs you've had. Yeah, you have to. You just have They've all kind of molded into you doing, I've got, I've literally got no education. I left school at 15. I've got no GCSEs, nothing in college, no uni, nothing. And it was all partly haphazard, but yeah, just like my work work ethic is strong and yeah. good, and I love art. It's got to be motivated by something, and that that's, that's really what's pushing pushing me, yeah, yeah, and what's pushing me for all these years, and yeah. I got motivated by people looking around. I think there was a time in shortage a few years ago, especially when I was at the shop, when people would look around and just assume that's what the art scene looked like. Yeah. And it really bothered me because that was when the gallery model started dying. And there's very few credible London galleries at that time that were in shortage, that were doing anything interesting. Like Stolen Space was doing amazing stuff, but yeah, they always but were. There was the there amount was so of galleries that were there. Oh, no, but they Pure were Pure Evil and Stolen Space. The only ones. They're the kings. That was it. I because, mean... And even when I was there, it wasn't... I wasn't giving the right stock and... Yeah, there, there was so many galleries at that what time. What it was, it was a lot of galleries that were renting out their space. And so the only people that were able to show on these very prominent right. spaces were people with money. Yeah. And people with money often don't have a lot of sense or they don't put the right yeah. amount of effort and time into projects because they've just mm. been given everything their whole lives. Also, that time as well was a time because graffiti or street art had blown up so big in that sense. And especially in Shoreditch, people could make a decision to go literally straight from the bedroom and sketchbook to a gallery using graffiti and street art as the as the aesthetic and what they do and so yeah they get the grand to hire Mm. the gallery for a week and they they had no training and and there was no there was no story in between there was no no depth to it galleries like my grandmother had a gallery in dc my grandmother was a sculptor on my mom's side she was a gallerist in dc in the 60s i mean my mom remembers her gallery um and I learned a lot from her growing up and I worked, I've worked in a few galleries, but it was never, I never worked in like a, a major gallery. I 
project managed a lot of spaces, yeah. a lot of temporary spaces for a while there, straight after working at the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one on Redchurch Street that I ran for two I years nearly. That. Yeah, all oh, that space was beautiful. Mm. I miss that space. Mm. <laughs> I wish I was still in that space. Um, what I found and what I know about how gallery models run and how they support their artists and how you know percentages work even, like how an artist gets paid and how a gallery is supposed to pick their artists and help them develop their portfolio and their career and further their prospects instead of you know just trying to make money off them. And I just saw what was going on in Shoreditch and most of it, 90% of it was absolute garbage. Yeah. Galleries were being really unpredictable. They were really not supporting any of the artists they were working with. And so our guys who were going into these galleries with zero understanding or experience of how galleries work and how fine art works because they don't come from a fine art background. Yeah. They come from graph. They come from hip hop. They have no mm. fucking idea. And they go into this gallery, get completely blindsided, walk away with their head, you know, their, their tail down and ripped off. Yeah. And it was or, very frustrating. The other thing was, I think, with a bit, another problem was the fact that they were giving shows to anyone and even our people and our contemporaries oh they're getting snubbed and they weren't ready for it no and they weren't helping they weren't training no they weren't helping and there was like um, it was a joke about free drinks Thursdays it wasn't even about the shows anymore because there was so many it was garbage there was blogs put up free drinks Thursdays and people would turn up at these shows and I felt so sorry for these artists because they're just being artists and like Who's going to hold my hand time. and take me through this? Yeah. And then a million of them got washed away because oh, yeah. of it. it was, and I yeah. still see people going, oh, what's going on on Thursdays? Anything? And I'm like, no, that's dead. Let yeah, it be dead. Stop it. And don't be part <laughs> of that problem. Let it be dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an issue. Yeah, yeah. And we, we experienced it. It was about four or five years. It was obsessive. It was crazy, man. I mean, it was nice and social. And yeah, we did it, see some art. Yeah. But at the same time, it was just, it was, it was like a mm. backwash. It's like constantly backwashing. It just wasn't supportive. It yeah. wasn't interesting after a while. I mean, there was some interest, obviously. There was some interesting stuff. But it was just a lot of the same. Um, it's nuts, man. Hearing this, I've known you for, you know, we've known each other for so long, but to really hear this story, your story, the, um, the matter-of-factness of art in your upbringing mm. has literally... It, it's, like, it's, like it's, um, it's like you're a freedom fighter for artists. <laughs> you're just like, you know, no, this is how... We're going to execute like this. It could because, be better, yeah. yeah. Because we can, because yeah, we can, can, because be we can. And it's you were given these tools, like you're saying, the youngest girl, the youngest in the family, so you had the biggest balls, you're like, Yeah, I biggest can do, mouth. I can do, I can do, I can do, I can do. Yeah. And then being surrounded with art and pumped with all that art so much, you just like yeah. yeah, this is possible and we're gonna do it this way and we can make it successful. Yeah, you gotta say yes to things. Yeah. Like you can say no to things. I learned how to say no to stuff fairly recently mm-hmm. I mean that's not something I'm very good at I generally say yes and then like sweat and panic about it and figure out how to make it work because Quite you can similar. generally make things work like yeah. there's pretty much you can pretty much feel, like make anything work yeah. I, I worked with um, when I did the big show with Brondo. do you remember this big? yeah 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 oh that He's was my amazing. baby that was my baby that show that broke all of my understanding about what I was going to do with my future and that made me realize I wanted to go into production and do like and produce so, interesting shows tell me about that show a bit um I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> what year I had was this no idea what I was doing. Fifteen? Yeah. Six. I mean I like I had no I had no idea about running things on such a large scale. I mm-hmm. had no idea what I was getting into. I had been working with uh, Rex Rame and Street Art News, so that was Rom for years, like two years at that point or a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And love Brando, love his work. He was working with a great group of artists and they started brewing up these beautiful ideas. And we got they got left to their own devices. I was helping them with whatever they needed help with. So I get them studio space or materials or run a little night or like a little studio tour or something. Mm-hmm. They did this for a year and a half. Like these guys were working for a year and a half. And finally True it, artists. Yeah, they really are. I mean yeah. that group, um uh Tresoldi, Eduardo, yeah. Yeah. and Carmen Main. Yeah. The three of them, they are still functioning artists. They're still producing amazing things. I know Eduardo just did a huge piece 
um for Coachella, some uh-huh. big architectural mesh wire thing, and it's it's beautiful. Like what he does, he's a he comes from stage design, and they're young. These are like they were then in their very early twenties, yeah. and they were constantly motivated. Everything they did was art, and it it motivates you. You know, it's exciting. Yeah. I found it very exciting. Um, so I got left to manage them and help make sure that what they wanted to do, we could do. And on the tiniest shoestring budget in the world, we made it happen. And it did. And it was the biggest, most beautiful show um, of, at my point, at that point. And I, I don't think any of us really realized how lovely it was until it was all up. And was that, so when you you took that on, was that another one of, yeah, I know how to do this stuff. That's cool. I'll, yeah. I'll help out. And I understand this is big, but I'll help out. And then yeah. after it, you were like, hang yeah. on, I think actually... This was massive, and I think I could do a lot more of this. Well, that was it. Working with Rom happened very naturally. All of my job stuff in the last 10 years has happened very naturally. Like I said, I've never had a CV. Uh-huh. Everything's just been off the back of something else, and me yeah. just being like, yeah, sure, I'm being open to possibility, I'm being open to ideas, and sure, a lot of it fails, and a lot of it never gets yeah. realized. Yeah. That's life. That's like, life. And you learn that as an illustrator. Yeah. You learn that you're going to get commissions come through. They're going to you know, lead you all the way and then drop you at the last minute. So you can't have you know 100% stock and everything, but throw yourself forward. You know, yeah. Be ready for yeah, it. Yeah, always. And I ended up living with Rom um, briefly, well, briefly, for a while, actually. And he was just like, hey, do you want some work? And I said, yeah, sure. What are we doing? Uh, and it just turned into me helping him manage his shows. And that gave him more space to run whatever he was doing. I mean, he's always up to a million things. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a really deep understanding of what we were doing. But he didn't give lots of guidance. He kind of just let me do it. He just, like, he trusted in me. He allowed it to happen. He, was very, he had a very relaxed approach. So I never realized how big things were until after they were over. <laughs> Again, I, I was just it's... like whoa we did the thing yeah. you know and I didn't even realize how big some of these artists were until afterwards but for him to just be so free with those reins it's, it's, it's your air isn't it it's mm. just like yeah you may not have this and I know you didn't see a CV but you didn't have that job title on your CV but he knew fully well yeah yeah, Olivia can do that. Well, a lot of artists trusted me because of the shop. Yeah. Um, I knew what I was talking about as far as the materials went. I was always able to give sound into their artwork. Yeah. And so I don't just think, off the back. I'm not taking was... anything away from the shop. It wasn't because mm. of the shop. It was because of you somewhere. Yeah. It was an On the other side of the counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I love Darren and Yanni and I love the shop. But it was you brought a shine to that place, brought you. Yeah, people walked in that door and got to meet you. Definitely. I get that. If you weren't you, you wouldn't have built it. be different. If I had been somewhere else, I would have built a different relationship yeah, somehow. Exactly. You know, like yeah. when I was working at the skate shop, that's when I ended up designing skateboards. Yeah. And yeah. I did that for two years and yeah. that was fun. But I'm like, they trusted me, I trusted yeah. them. We started building relationships without even realizing it. And like even someone like me, so that was the 2016 show. Um, we got our hands on moniker eight weeks, less than eight weeks before the show opened. So we knew nothing. I had never run an art amount of time with so much pressure. But we were like, you know what? Screw it. We'll do it. We're just going to fucking do it. We're just going to do it. And we're going to do it well. And we did. And Al was one of the first people I worked with. So that was Mazer, um, to bring this installation in. And he remembered you. And he remembered me. He's like, I, I know you. And yeah. And, they, and automatically it built trust. So even though I'm working on a higher level now with yeah. different, I mean, I, I work with very, but they work with and the artists that they employ know me from Chrome yeah. and Blackstone. I'll tell you what then, that, uh, <laughs> probably not wrong for me to say what I just said about Chrome and Black because what it did, it gave you authenticity within a culture I well, it gave me like a Definitely stamp like how you're saying with George, like yeah. it gave him a stamp that was like yeah. you know you're allowed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it gave me that pass yeah. but I hadn't I, had, I earned it there I yeah. wouldn't have earned it any other way yeah chapter three creativity Olivia's search for creative endeavours has led her through a maze of artists and it becomes obvious that she can create and produce artists so that they can get the best response from their work we talk about her helping other creators and artists and also what projects she has coming up with her team at the Monica Art Fair 
I have a, I, I have like a lot of faith in my effect. understanding of how art works yeah. and how art affects people, how color affects people, how your tools and the materials you use, how 3D, how that affects someone rather than doing it flat. If you add another sense to it, how does that affect people? Because I enjoy those experiences. And you, I, I suppose that's the other thing. Another thing you grew up with is looking for that feeling mm-hmm. within art. Oh, constant. Art. You need that feeling. Yeah. And yeah. so with you doing that. How do we that, create it? Yeah, yeah. Well, what we always say is like, when we're because we're a really small team at Monica, there's like three girls, and we are the core team. We have been since 2016. Um, now we're going to New York, which is yeah. cool. Um, we're really small, and what we say is that every, all the details that we do, all of the like 90% of the work, the detail, tiny little things that we do, is literally for each other and the 5% in the world who gets it. Yeah, it's not very many. You'd get it, a few other people get it. Walking into like even a lot of artists wouldn't get it, but how nice is that, man? It is nice, it's how, satisfying. And I'll tell you what, being able to give yourselves the space to do that within business and work is so rewarding it really is rewarding knowing that you know this isn't meant to hit everyone no there is you'll get an understanding of it like just like anyone else i always feel like 95 percent of people that get exposed to something interesting they see it this glossy surface it is exciting it is thrilling it's something but they don't see that deeper picture i'll tell you what and so maybe you're right in saying it you know i'd I'd understand it but the better thing is is the 16 year old that comes in amongst the other 16 year olds who they all get the ninety five percent? Wow, but there's one of them that really is a spark right mm. there, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Right. Yeah, no, you do see it, yeah. and I used and to really enjoy. When that enjoy... happens, that's gorgeous. That's the magic. Yeah. Well, that's like that's why I started teaching life drawing. Yeah. Um. So I started teaching life drawing classes. It runs in my family. My parents met in a life drawing class. Uh-huh. Um. Like I said, my mom ran a studio for ages. I used to pose for her. I posed when I came to London for a few years before I got covered in tattoos. Um. And then I started running my own classes. I did that for three years. And I found it was really important for artists to get outside of their understanding of how they work and how they create and understand that they are intuitively understanding of being creative. They don't have to have a specific set style, but a lot of people when they have a career in the arts get very used to being in one restricted way of being, and myself included. Like as an illustrator, I use my beautiful Copic markers and I have a hard time straying and getting messy anymore. I really, really struggle with it. you know what? I think just knowing that statement Mm. is what helps. Yeah. Just knowing it and then knowing, oh, I can break this. Yeah, I don't have to stay in my lane. Yeah, and for three all. months, you, you very well what I do. I only pick up the copics. Yeah. But in the fourth month, you might pick up some gouache or something and yeah. it'll be, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know. Having that braveness, yeah. Yeah, being brave enough to do that. So your live drawing classes brought that to artists. They did. I want My whole focus was to work with people within the creative industry who are practicing artists in various ways and give them a space to come and be a little messy and make mistakes and be a little different and try things that were different and hard and challenge them with like weird life drawing tasks. Like we did a thing called zombie drawing for ages, which is just like 30 seconds to draw someone who's acting like a zombie. So it's like loads of crooked wrists and really weird angles and like twisted contorted facial features and if you've got 30 seconds to do that you'll get it in one quick line but it yeah. takes doing that for a couple months to get used to, to get like finding that. the line yeah. yeah you gotta find the line and the other half of the time it was to introduce people to a really quick um is not hard because i don't believe i believe everyone can draw yeah it's not the same when people are like oh yeah everyone can sing no everybody cannot sing i cannot sing no. that's not i have nodules in my throat i've done enough smoking and i've done it i had um what did I have? I had um I had it while I was at Crumb and Black. Um, 
I remember, for yeah, like nine months. Yeah, yeah. For like nine months, I was coughing. Yeah, that heavy was, boom. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. And then my voice dropped a couple of octaves yeah. and I've developed loads of nodules. So no, I cannot sing. Yeah. But everyone can draw everyone because can. it's a muscle. It's like everyone being able to build a bicep muscle. It's the same shit. Mm. You just need to practice. Yeah, I think that you're right. It's and it's because it's, it's a tool. Yeah. It's just learning. Literally a tool. Yeah. It's your eyes that are yeah. doing the learning. Everything else that's past it, imagination and mm. style and all that type of stuff. Yeah, not everyone has got that or the creative outlook, but everyone do maths. Yeah, Basically, yeah, no, yeah. you can definitely. I'm better at math now than I was when yeah. I was in high school. I yeah. mean, they kicked me out of algebra because I could not get it. Uh, I stopped at geometry, which I could understand, which is I still love geometry and fractions and percentages. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, algebra and mystery numbers and shit. Fine. I was like, well, what? Uh, never mind. I'm out of this. So they put me in a creative math class when I was 15, and that was the last year I did math. And I studied Alice in Wonderland, uh, Char- uh, Lewis Carroll and Charles Dobson. Yeah. Dobson? Dobson? I always forget his name. It's his real name. Yeah. Dobson? And that's how I got my first tattoos was because I studied creative maths and I studied Lewis Carroll's work and he was a mathematician. And, uh, I heard that. The whole, yeah. of, the whole of Alice in Wonderland is basically it's based a math problem. It's based on a chess game. Yeah. Um, wait, what's it? The first one is based on a card game, I yeah. think, and definitely math problems. It's like runs throughout. And the second one, the look, Through the Looking Glass, is based on a chess game. Amazing book. So it's a lot of confusion like in the second one. I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding it because it's a lot of like night to eat more and like weird white night stuff <laughs> turning up and like weird interruptions within the text because the guy writing it is a crazy genius you know in victorian times so <laughs> then for the last um so then the last few months what's been your latest project what have you been working on so last few months we've been building up to new york um this last london show from moniker so moniker london october 2017 mm-hmm. was what we wanted to do the first year but we didn't have enough time so it was bringing together like a hand-picked and beautifully selected and curated group of artists and galleries and projects and ideas uh, that I think everybody's had kicking around for a while, especially Tina. She worked really hard on that, and that was a lot of things that she really wanted to do. Uh, We worked really hard to bring it all together, and after the success of that, we were really pumped, and we are like, okay, we're doing New York. We had already announced New York during the fair. We tried to, like, hint about it in the October fair by having a New York-style pizza restaurant, not giving anything away. Uh, Then we announced it during the fair. It was very cool, but trying to build something that was already challenging because the first year we did it, it was, you know, we had eight weeks. And then the second year we quadrupled in size. And now the third year we're doing it, we're doing New York because why not, you know, and I'm tired. And still with the same amount of time. Same amount of time, less time even. I mean, it's if you're doing two fairs a year, I mean, I'm going to come back from New York and plan London in four months. And last year we did it in a year. Wow. So I've had my floor plans for London 2018 for a couple of months now, but you've got to deal with New York in in the middle of it as well. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. And so, how many artists have you got in New York for this one? Mm. We have 27 galleries. Well, 27 booths. 27 I mean, a lot booths. of them are project spaces. There's a lot of, we're bringing a lot of um, installations and artist installations. So there's a couple different things in the mix. There's yeah. artist studio spaces um, where they're presenting their own projects. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a really beautiful Brilliant, man. selection of work. I mean, I can. there's a point before every big project that I'm working on. I've been doing this for a few years. Now there's like, it comes a point when you've been planning something long enough and it's very intangible. And I think there comes a point where it's panicky because there's so much that's still up in the air. Then you lay some serious groundwork off the back of the panic. And then off the back of that, you start to actually visualize it. And you can really see what's going to look like. And I did that for the last two years for London. I did that for the Barondo show for um, Animal. I've done that for a couple of big gallery shows I've worked on. 
And when you get to that point, it's quite beautiful because mm. I know just from my own experience for the last few years of doing this that I'm going to get on site. It's going to be a couple stressful days of production and then we're going to walk around and it's mm. going to be how I see it in my head. And that basically just becomes part of the job then, yeah. part of the production. And it's not like, oh shit, yeah. it doesn't have to be. And there might be a bit of that on the There's days, a little bit, but, but you understand exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know exactly. It's a process. Yeah. And you've got to go through it and it's yeah. got to be okay and you've got to not be scared to say what you think and you've got to, I think the thing that makes a big difference in how I work versus how a lot of other people work because everyone on my team has a different way of working we handle different sides of the fair and I work with people I work with contractors I work with artists on their installations I don't work with them to do their exhibitions Mm -hmm. I work with them to help them build their installations to make that a real thing and then manage that while it's happening Um, so it's a very human side of it it's not so much the glossy fancy marketing advertising coordinating side it's the very much like hands-on side yeah usually covered in paint like the fact that I've been in front of my computer so much lately is exhausting and I'm not used to it because I'm used to actually being active and moving around, but it's part it's, of the job It's part of the job, and I get it. And it's, yeah. it is a constant flow. Like I'll be sitting there for 14 hours and I won't even realize it. And it's just email after email and you respond. And then like when you get to the bottom of the emails, the ones from the beginning have responded and it's just this, woo. but it gets done, you yeah. know, everything gets done. I think New York's been really tiring just because it's a new, a lot of new systems. I mean, not only am I transferring working from centimeters and meters to inches and feet, oh God, yeah. to a stupid system. Like yeah. that's a dumb, I don't know whose idea that was. <laughs> that's a dumb system. And I think a lot of people are still surprised when I tell them that. Like yeah. a lot of our galleries in our American galleries, they try to order things in meters and I go, guys, we're working by foot. And they're like, aren't you, you know, from the UK? And I said, yeah, but we're working in feet. And they're like, why would you choose to do that? <laughs> like, fuck me, man. My production team's it's American. They're working one. in feet. Yeah, yeah, what? I'm not bringing my guys from, from the UK. Like, I tried. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I tried to bring my wall builders from Latvia, but they were not ready for America. Not yeah. ready. Not yet. They will do. I think they'll come out one day. And um, when when is this one? Mm, May 3rd to 6th at the Greenpoint Terminal Warehouse in Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. It's very exciting. I'm going on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a week of prep, and then I'm on site from wow. yeah from the 30th building. That's going to be amazing. Man. It's good. I'm, yeah, I'm you've really been excited. to New York before. I have been to New York. Yeah, 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 we've laid a lot of groundwork. I mean, I went out. We did the venue. I did the venue find last year yeah. in November, and then the rest of my team went out and saw venues during because we run something else called the Art Conference. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the Art Conference mm-hmm. at all? Yeah. So we run TAC. Um, we're on TAC 11 now. So we, that sort of built, it's an educational platform that attaches to anything really. And we've been yeah. attaching to a lot of art shows and art projects. Um, we've done some roundtable editions and art fairs, not just Moniker, loads of different ones. Like yeah. they were just recently at uh, Your Vanity in Madrid. That was really nice. You go part of that one. Okay. Yeah, it's a small, it's a small urban art fair that's just started up. It's okay. really good. Uh, it's a really great team that run it. I think Which that's is... the most important thing is having a team, no matter how small, even if you're funding small, if you're passionate about what you do, it's going to come off well. As long as the heart's right. Yeah, though. the yeah, reception's yeah. going to be great as long as you're, you exactly your heart's got to be in the right spot. Yeah. Because when it's not, it shows. Yeah. It's clearly apparent. I mean, I'm, I get a lot of joy walking around certain art fairs that are, you know, I'm not going to name, and just looking at how bad the production quality is. Like who's why? Why did they? Why why did they not care? Well, that's that's a job. There's yeah. not there's no soul in that. That's no. just that's just work. But it's like you know bad walls and dinged up things and just not join. Like who who is allowing Come this? Come on, man. Who's but allowing again, this? Again, it's the fact that you're an artist. Mm. It's the fact that you're. Well, an it's artist. that ninety five percent that don't notice, right? Yeah. And the five percent that do yeah. are really important to me. Those yeah. are my those are mine exactly. and your that's, people. Yeah. And but the thing is, they're the exact people you're trying to call as well at yeah. the shows. You need it as clean as I possible. I want those people. Exactly. Yeah, they've got to be impressed, and yeah. everything's got to be right, and not not like prissy way. I'm not talking about no, that. No, no, it's got to be the way you visualize it. Yeah, yeah. You it. want to know that the attention With to integrity. detail has been played. Yeah. yeah, 
Like yeah. if you're going to do something, do it right or yeah. just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. like a big part of how I live my life. Yeah. Don't do it unless you're going to do it right. Like yeah. I don't understand why you're going to do the dishes if you're going to do them half-assed. Just There's don't no do point. the dishes. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Don't do them. Yeah. I'll do them. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Leave the fucking dishes alone. I'll fucking do the dishes. Yeah. Just don't do them. But if you're going to start something, do it properly. Otherwise, give it to someone else to do it. Tell them you can't do it because honesty is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like what I was saying about working with in my environment, what makes me different from my colleagues and they work on different levels with different because they're handling different sides. Yeah. Is that I'm very much a human to human person. Like the first thing I do is make I try to make people feel comfortable immediately. And that's because I worked in front of house for so long. Yeah. Whether it be in a restaurant or working in Camden Market and like minus five degrees when it's snowing. Definitely. And you're like, please buy something because I'm on commission. (laughs) I'm fucking hungry. I really wish you'd buy this brownie because it's going stale. So please just buy it. (laughs) Buy the brownie. Um so I think that gets you motivated. And then it's, yeah, like you were saying, it's that ability to feel confident in your knowledge. I feel confident in art. I don't feel confident in everything. I think I know a lot about a little, I think I know a little about a lot, mm-hmm. but I know a lot about art. Yeah. So I'm confident in that world. But that, that, I think that's the, that's the key though, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, again, another similarity. I don't get to paint every day. I don't get to use Ta-da. my brushes every day. But what I get to do is be professional but make sure that art's at the forefront of all my professions yeah. daily and that's what makes it sl- different yeah. to the rest and there's a way to get art into everything oh and man like, literally you can squeeze it into absolutely everything all I do is preach yeah. I, I'll sit in the biggest meetings with biggest clients and tell them fuck your brand <laughs> art rules art, really does. art saves the world art's never ever lost a battle Mm-mm. touches everyone your brand is nothing they don't care about the name. No. It's like how you're going to present the name. Yeah, yeah. How, that's all I care about. How, yeah. how do you want to present it? Then your brand will be something yeah. because it will be... It'll be attaching to something that's beautifully... authentic. But yeah, you've got yeah. to feel it, you know? Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. you stand in front of something and you can see like... What's yeah. up? My, my, uh, my boyfriend brought, bought a uh, screen print and he buys a lot of prints. Mm-hmm. I'm, we have very different taste. Mm-hmm. Um, he bought a screen print and he was like, hey, you want to see my new print? And like he knows that we have very different tastes. I still respect a lot of the stuff he likes. Yeah. And my God, it drove me fucking nuts because you know how big the borders were. They're like this big. So the artwork is pushed way up against the edges of the paper. And this is pressed on some beautiful fine art like, what's that? Hazemusen? Hallemusen? Oh, ha- yeah. I don't, I don't know even know how to pronounce yeah, that. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. That rag paper, that yeah. really beautiful stuff. And it's pressed right up to the edges. And like, I swear the border is like five millimeters. Why? I don't know. Oh my God, it made me so upset. I was just like, don't show this to me. Like, yeah, I can't. That way. It's well done, but it's badly done. Like, yeah. don't. Put it, I was like, you better have good borders on this frame. Like, you need to have a frame. <laughs> I want to see a good mount. I want it to be white, not cream. I want yeah. a white mount in a nice, clean frame, and then you're fine. But, like, why pass. print like that? You know, it hurts my eyes, it hurts my soul. It it's, a, got a, it's got to read well, man. It's got to breathe. Yeah, Let it breathe, true. man. You need the yeah. right spacing. People don't get that. That's people that, like, I mean, they do get it. Like, my sister, me and my sister are very, very different people. Like mm-hmm. I said, she's a sculptor and a tattooist. Mm-hmm. She is very much your left brain dyslexic artist who is not good at communicating, who is very talented, who is always drawing and always producing, but not good at like, you know, managing her yeah, work. Crossover. Yeah, crossover. No, not at all. Not at all business minded, not at all with the mouth and the stuff and the things. No. Um, which is why she's a really great tattooist because she focuses on tattoos and does her things. Sculpture. I mean, she, she sculpts marble. She works in marble quarries Blimey. and she just does that and has her headset. I mean, she's done it with chainsaws and wood before like this. Anyway, she's nuts. Um, but our aesthetic is very different. Mine is very centered, very clean. I think me and you are very similar here. We like a very clean line. Yeah. I like my good spacing. I want it to like the colors to work. Her, she's got some weird like lines going off to the left. It's very like fine art, but like oh. banging out the border. Oh my god! <laughs> but people like it. You know, yeah, people respond I mean, look, to it. She has that's a line. Why, that's why art is great. It's because, subjective, massively. Yeah, because we, the, 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 that's basically it's an umbrella word. Because and talk about the things we like. 
what they like, what he likes, what mm. she likes. Very different. It's still art, though. I recognize people with her tattoos. Like, there's a, in my mind, there's this story from when I'm, like, in my late teens. And she's only just started that. No, not late teens. Sorry. I was in my early 20s. I must have been back visiting. I'm on the metro in, in Athens, and I saw this tattoo just creeping out of this guy's sleeve. And I recognized her lines right away. And it's a very specific line. Style. And, like, I, I do, like, I know my sister's artwork so yeah. well. It's unbelievable. But we have incredibly different aesthetic. Um, so again with my boyfriend's print that yeah. I think the artwork itself is good and the spacing is very bad it's the same way I feel about it it might not be to my taste but I think they've done it wrong you've done it wrong you need more borders but I know um, how do you finish off the year then so you do New York and then final show in London oh I'm doing uh, I'm doing a little passion project with uh, my good friend Louis who does a lot of things about sustainability and uh, endangered animals and he actually gives back he's one of the only artists I know who actually contributes money to charity after shows and actually works with sustainable companies and green companies if they're going to sponsor him then they have to have a green ethos and I don't know any other artists like that it's a very pure way of working And he does it for all the right reasons. So I'm always happy to support him. He's got a show the end of May at the Crypt Gallery in King's Cross. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful venue. It's one of the last strongholds in London where you can actually do an affordable show. Mm-hmm. Did you know about the Crypt Gallery? No, I, know, I know of it. I don't it's know gorgeous. if it's affordable. It is affordable. Surprisingly, it is affordable. Send your friends there. It all is right. beautiful. Um, it's a great space to be working because there's so much history there as well. Bang in the center of London. So I'm going to come back from Monica from New York, have a couple days to sleep maybe. Not really. Rest touch. Nah, just, yeah. Yeah, just a touch. You know, yeah. come back and like get over the jet lag. Yeah. And then we're on site building because it's very installation based. Wicked. So it's one of the reasons I'm interested in this show is because I like to actually build things. I don't want to give anything away again. That's very interesting. He's doing something akin to a print run, but it's sculpture. So okay. it's interesting. That sounds interesting. I will tell you man. more when we have the mics yeah, off. Yeah, wicked. Because um, I don't think he's released any information about that yet. But it's worth checking out because it's, again, it's for the reasons. I think if you buy art or if you're interested in art, you have many reasons to be interested in art. Like for me, it's a lot of it's aesthetics. Yeah. For some people, it's value and that's absolutely fine. And, I have some artwork that's yeah. valuable and I know that and it's not really on my walls and yeah. it will hold on to its value. And maybe I'll sell it one day. Yeah. Uh, me, it's mostly about aesthetics and some of it is about supporting causes. And, and for experience, work, getting, getting an experience. Yeah. You don't have to like... All no. works at all. It's just about getting an experience. It really is. It's yeah. about, it's. it has to work for you. Yeah. And like, you know, for me, I've got certain things that work for me. <laughs> and I think with what Louis is doing, it's very interesting because it gives you a urban contemporary scene mm. and what else you can do with it. I mean, he he just does really, really interesting stuff. And the way, the reasons why he works is interesting. Spotlight, right. There, was, there aren't many. No one does that. Not I from, don't know anyone who yeah. does it like as I mean, a long-term project. Yeah, I'm sure there's artists in general in the wider oh, yeah. aspect, but coming from the world that he's coming yeah. from. I mean, especially not in the UK. I know of plenty of projects like Pangea City, big, interactive, interesting yeah. city, but it's a very greedy city at the same time. We're in one of the greediest. We really are. <laughs> Definitely. It's, yeah, it's it's surprising. Like, this is probably the first time I've actually been able to not worry too much about feeling or needing extra cash because mm. I'm just working all the time. Mm. Got my head down and I'm not buying stuff. I'm not traveling. I'm not worrying about financing my life because yeah. it's... But when you are in that place and you are trying to find a bit of extra cash to finance things that you're trying to do, whether it be projects or travels or, in, you know, education. Mm. No, it's not. It's no. not. But another reason why you know interests and choosing cultures and you know art especially 
You have to persist. It persists and it can be done at a, on a shoestring. Yeah, you know? oh, it can. Do you know what I mean? Literally it on a shoestring. It can be done through just, just first, that's first part of it. Well, the first few shows that I did on like a larger level when I didn't, I mean, I worked with Alexi Diaz and Franco Fasoli who writes jazz from mm. Argentina. He's one of my favorite artists still. I think my favorite piece of artwork that I own is one of his prints. It's not prints, sorry, it's an illustration. It's beautiful, it's from that show. We ran that show on the most minimal budget, but it looked great and it yeah. was in shortage because it was right before... You couldn't in shortage anymore because there's nowhere to show in shortage anymore. It's all gone. Um, it was at the very end of that sort of waning moon, I guess. It was t- Chrome and Black opened. I, I tell you what, our culture wouldn't have experienced what happened in shortage had it not been for Chrome and Black opening. Oh, there. definitely. And then I, I tell you what, I'm really, really interested in seeing what happens in 10, 15 years time and the stories that connect back to that shop. Mm. And you picking paint for people and the effects of it, yeah, the, yeah, the butterfly effect, the spiderweb, all it's of that huge. type of stuff. It's um, it was an integral. It is an integral part of the city, Corin Black, obviously. But at that particular time, and not to say HQs wasn't it. in South, but the it was fa- the precursor. It was it like was the, the prologue, you know. Yeah. It was like the 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 movie. The but you're right. There was there was affordable spaces there still was. in the area. It was there a was new idea. Old businesses still in the area. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah, it was a different world. It was a community world. feeling. Was like, a I real, remember... Yeah. I remember when... Um, what are they called? The the EDL, the, the really nasty... Yeah, the dickheads. Yeah, the dickheads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we could just call them that. Dickheads. Yeah, when they they tried to march through Tower Hamlets a few times mm. while we had the shop. Mm. And the amount of community that pulled together to stop that, mm. you know, a few times in a row. Mm. It just made me really happy to live in Tower Hamlets. And yeah. I only recently moved out of Bethnal Green. I mean, when I moved to London... My first spot was Elephant Castle because I didn't know the city. Yeah. I love the name. Yeah. I was like, this is a great place. I lived there for six months, learned how to play drinking games to the sounds of different sirens because it's Elephant Castle. <laughs> um, that was fun. It's like, yeah, tequila <laughs> for the loud one and like drink a little bit of vodka for the whaley one. Da, da, da. Oh my God, those yellow did you see this event signboards <laughs> were outside my dorm like every other day with different events on them and some really nasty things. Anyway, Elephant Castle was an experience in itself and that's when warehouse scene was really big in yeah. South London. So, you know, I went to really ridiculously weird warehouses in Camberwell that definitely don't exist anymore because no. now there's some posh coffee shop. Yeah. Or if they are warehouses, they're two grand a room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah the beautiful ex warehouse. <laughs> exactly. Like they have some stupid name, like the freshly baked loaf factory or something. I mean, like, have you seen what's going on in Hackney Wick lately? Oh, don't, man. The bagel factory. What do they call it? It is the bagel factory, I think. Well, yeah, but the bagels so ain't there. No, bagels ain't there. been there for a while. Like they've been like some crusty punks up in there place, for a long man. time that place yeah shocking I mean that was also during the rise and fall like that was like it sort of mirrored what was going on in shortage so you were either in shortage experiencing Mm. it or you were in Hackney Wick experiencing Mm. it or you were like I had a studio in the Wick when I first got back here and when I opened when I opened up with Creme and Black and it was a completely different place and that was only 08, 09 yeah I know, oh, no, I know it was 10 years ago now, but what's happened there in the last five is something completely Oh, I don't different. even really go there anymore. Like, no. I have a few friends still left in the warehouse. Yeah. a few strongholds that are, like, but refusing man, to co- leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I left Bethnal Green last year. Yeah. Where I are you refused. Now? I'm in Stoke Newington. Oh, right. Because cool. I'm in my 30s. Yeah. Yeah. That's where to go. In. If you're in East, you've got <laughs> I'm in my 30s. I'm in Stokey. Well, also with the dog, it's easy. I mean, yeah. I didn't even realize that when I picked my new place, um, moved in there with my flatmates. It's right on the corner of Clissold Park. Oh, lovely. We've got the last cheap house in the area. It's fucking beautiful. Wicked. So I feel really lucky. This is our second year there. We just signed our lease for the next year. Don't really want to go anywhere else. Right. Stokey's lovely. Oh, it's beautiful. Gorgeous. I feel really fancy. Yeah, it's Like, I feel so fancy. I'm like the least fancy person in that area, and I feel super fancy. It's great. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming around and talking to me. Well, thank you very it. much for having that was me. was wicked getting that story. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we found parallels in our lives. Yeah. I think that's important, because you do that with 
creative. So you, yeah. you do you find that's how you find meaning is you find common ground. Yeah. Well, that the art on your sleeve, I think, yeah, is. Mm. I like fighting that battle, man. I'm, it's important. I'm glad we got to have this sit down and chat. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. I really appreciated Olivia coming over. It was really cool hearing those stories about her family and how art seems to be in the family's veins. Look out for the Monocrat Fair this weekend in New York. Next week, we've got Harry Conway, the photographer. I hope you enjoyed it. Love your city and love your culture. This is F24.